0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, you may be seated. Give somebody a high five as you sit down today. Man, who you, you guys sound amazing today. Who's happy to be here today? Come on. we got some excited people, 1115, showing up strong today. Hey, we've had an amazing week. I want to share with you a couple of exciting things. For those that don't know who I am, I'm part of the team here at the chapel at our Midlothian campus. We have a campus in Scott's Edition. We have a campus online, Chesterfield County Jail. And we are so excited that you guys are here with us. And this past week has been an awesome week. In fact, I want to share with you one thing and a little update. And actually, like a big thank you as well to everyone. Last week, we said, hey, we want to raise $10,000, right, to send over to Ukraine, mission support. And check this out, church. Huge thank you to you. We raise over $25,000. Come on. It's feeding refugees. It is over there right now. Thank you so much for your generosity. We love that we have an opportunity to partner with Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is a great missions organization that we connect with, and we get to do missions with them, and they get to jump on the scene and um, just meet the needs of different places that are experiencing crisis amongst the earth right now. Also, this past First Wednesday, who's at First Wednesday? Come on. Where are you at? All my people who came First Wednesday. If you don't know about First Wednesday, well, it happens every First Wednesday of the month, and it's a monthly thing for us. And um, it's an exciting, we had an incredible first Wednesday this past first Wednesday. You know, we've been in our series on Next. Pastor Brandon is not here today, our lead pastor. He's being refreshed. He's kind of refocusing on some things for the coming future, but he's continued our series this past Wednesday on next. If you miss it, you can watch it. I'm going to continue it as well today. He'll be back in the house tomorrow. But past first Wednesday was incredible. In fact, we had a record-breaking turnout, the most people ever, and um, I want to show you a little picture of this right now, because you may not know this for those in the room, but a lot of times people are in the lobby worshiping with us. This is kind of a shot from that night from people in the lobby, and you know what? There's people in the lobby right now, so we give a big shout-out to our lobby right now. They're watching us in the fireplace room with tvs on and man let me tell you it was such a powerful night of worship pastor brandon challenged us and he said hey it's now a season for us to pray serve and give like never before god's doing some incredible things here and this is really what the next series has been all about it's been about us having a forward-thinking mindset thinking about what's coming next and i want you to know church it always whenever i think about this series it makes me think of the scripture in isaiah 43 that says this see i'm doing a new thing the lord says And I want you to know, church, in your life, in your family's life, in this church, hear this, God is doing a new thing. And it's important for us to grasp that. You know, we know the truth in Hebrews is say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's constant. He's never changing. But let me tell you, he's always doing new things. And the question is, is do you perceive the new thing that the Lord is doing? And really, this is what next is about. It's about us understanding, hey, God's doing a new thing, an exciting thing in our church, And we want to be ready for all that he's doing. And so we're going to continue in that series today. And if you're new here today and you don't know much about what our next initiative is, like I said, we're in that that season right now. You can go to our Next Steps area. You can pick up a booklet that gives some information on it. You can go online and you can click Next Initiative. But I wanted to let you know today that um, a lot of us in this room, in fact, all of us really are wired to make a difference. You know, you hear us talk about this a lot, right? Whatever the three values that we believe in. to so what? Know God, right? Find freedom and make a difference. And regardless if you know this or not, you are hardwired in your creation. You're hardwired to make an impact, to make a difference. And we believe for the now, but we also believe that there is a next, that there's a future, that there's more. And I want you to hear this today. Like I said, it's deep down inside who you are. The Bible talks about this. You've been wired this way. And what I want to do is I want to continue our series today with something with the motivation that the Bible uses over and over again. It's a motivation that changes really how you live, how you see things, how you look at your life. And this motivation has actually caused Christianity since it first started. Think about Christianity starting with Jesus and the 12 disciples and it's, the great commission was to go all the earth. This this motivation, like no other, has, has caused people to, to give radically, to see missions change all over the world. We partner with a mission organization that has, check this out, more churches and more m- missionaries than it does McDonald's in the world. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because there's a lot of McDonald's. And, and so we partner with an amazing global organization that's sending mission work all over. And I believe that all of us have an opportunity to be a part of this Impact this making a difference. In fact, Paul says it well in Philippians 2. He says, Listen, consider others greater than yourself, just like Jesus did, who was obedient to death, he says, and even death on a cross. And so it's this amazing motivation that once we obtain it, it radically changes how we live. In fact, I think about in the Bible, there's story after story of people that encountered Jesus and then they were changed dramatically. They were changed radically. One person that comes to mind is actually Paul. Paul is someone who wrote the majority of our New Testament, wrote a lot of the the books that we talk about, the ones that we've even had in some of the series, like Philippians, Ephesians. He was writing to churches. He was writing from a place of prison. But you have to understand that Paul wasn't always following Jesus. He once had a life where he was living for his own desires. He was living for his what he wanted in life. He was living for his own passions. But he had this radical transformation when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it changed his life forever. How many know that when you encounter Jesus, Amen, it changes every single aspect of our life? That's what he does. He rearranges things. He makes things new. The old is gone. The new is coming. So. And so you can read about Paul in the New Testament because this radical transformation that happened in his life just propelled him to make endless ripple effects into the kingdom of God. And I want to start off with the scripture today in Acts 20 where he's actually saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. I want you to see here what he says. He says this to them, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns, That prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Think about this. Paul was, before he encountered Jesus, he actually was persecuting Christians. That's That's what he was doing. He was persecuting Christians. Some scholars say that he was even responsible for thousands and thousands of Christian deaths you first really see him and his story on the scene where he's collecting the coats of the men that are about to stone the first martyr Stephen in the book of Acts. And here he is now, he's been radically transformed by Jesus, the gospel message has changed his complete life and now he's saying, I consider my life worth nothing to me, he says, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Today, what I want us to do is I want us to look like what it looks like for our, us to live our lives in light of eternity. And so in the room online, what i love to do is i love to pray for us today. Can we do that? Would you do that with me? Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that, man, everything changes when we meet you, that, God, you arrange everything, Lord, and that you send us on mission. You change directions in our life. God, different pathways, Father, you open our mind to all that you have for us, but it starts off with this great radical transformation, Lord. this revelation in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you have something more for us, God, that you have something in mind that you have since the day that you created us, Lord, and we love you, and so, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak through me, speak to us, people online, people in the room, people in the lobby today, Lord, we love you, we welcome you into all we do, and God's people say, amen, amen. Paul's final words to them are that he's not worried about what's gonna to happen to him. He wants to complete the task to finish the race of telling people about the good news of the faith. Paul went from living in the moment to living for something much greater than himself and he begins to intertwine all of this into the different scriptures we read in the New Testament. In fact, one of them is this right here. He says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How many know that that's so true? That it's easy for us to fix our eyes on the things that are temporary. I mean, this can even include just the problems and the issues that we face in life, or, or even some of the things that are happening globally in the crisis around the world. It's easy for us to get so fixed on the things that are temporary and lose sight of the unseen things that are eternal. And Paul, man, when he had this radical transformation, it changed everything about who he was. And he began to say, man, no longer do I fix my eyes on the things that are seen, but I do on the things that are unseen. In fact, I believe if we realize this, if we truly grasp it, it changes how you live on this earth right now. And not only changes how you live, but it also solves a lot of the problems that you may even be facing in this moment. In fact, this is the solution to a lot of what you're going through right now. And it's simply this. There is more to this life than this life. Yeah. Yeah. There is more to this life than this life. And let me tell you, this is, this is kind of like a hard stop because a lot of times we don't keep that perspective in mind. And in fact, I want you to know there's a great adversary out there, an enemy who wants to keep your mind so fixed on this earth that your motivations are so much different than the motivations that Jesus even had when he was on this earth. So a lot of times the revelation of this truth is so important for us to know that there's so much more to this life than this life. Think about this. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. It's in songs, it's in books, it's talked about, people know about it. The Bible uses this as a motivation for compassion, for generosity, and really what it is is it's the topic of heaven. No matter if you believe or if you don't believe, everyone has heard the term heaven. They've thought about the afterlife. They've thought about what is to come when this life no longer here one day the truth is this about heaven we will see god and we'll stand before him face to face and we have this small window of time on earth and in fact the bible calls it like a vapor in ecclesiastes it says it says but it's a puff of smoke it says it's so quick we have this small window of time on earth to live in such a way that it actually makes a difference eternally that's what we have that's what we've been given and it's short. You know, you can read through all the scriptures and see that many stories about touching people's lives and making a difference, it usually begins with this motivation, which is, which is heaven. That's why we even hear, like, don't store up your treasures right on earth. Store them up in heaven. You know, I've been doing ministry for, like, over 15 years. And I was kind of raised in church, and, and I've had opportunity to walk alongside a lot of families that have been in crisis. In fact, I want to let you know, we love what we do on Sundays as a church. We love the ministry that we get to do. We love small groups. But I also want you to let you know as a team that we love, it's an honor for us to walk alongside families who are in the midst of crisis or in the midst of loss. And um, I learned in a young age how precious that is um, to walk alongside families. But, you know, it's very interesting when you're, when you're near people who are experiencing loss or experiencing death. Um, because you really begin to get, get an understanding, too, of like where we may anchor our hope, where we may anchor our our understanding of what is to come. You know, I, I was kind of just brought up to this realization recently because my grandmother just passed away in January of this year. She was 96 years old, and I got a chance to go visit her at Thanksgiving at my uncle's house in Pennsylvania and she's 96 years old. But listen, don't let her age fool you because she was cooking all the Thanksgiving meal for everybody, all right? And um, she's this, this little small German firecracker, okay? You can't get her down. We called her tough cookie in the house because she was just a tough cookie. She like could handle anything and, and didn't matter. She wanted to serve people. And you know, my uncle has like a ministry there where they invite people into their home that don't have a place to stay for the holidays. And, and she just loved to serve people and cook meals for people. It's like what she loved to do. And she would serve everybody first before she... Even ate a meal. And, you know, a few weeks after, um, she actually took like a, a quick turn later on through the holidays and she ended up in the hospital. And, you know, of course, we knew she was 96 and she lived an amazing life, but we were praying and believing, man, hey, you're going to pull through this and you're going to cross over to 100. And my mom reached out to me and she, she said, hey, Lala, that's what we call her. Everybody has a name for grandmas, right? So we call her Lala. And everyone, and my mom said, hey, she wants all the grandkids to call in and pray for her. And so I was like, Man, I'm excited to pray for her. I'm gonna pray that she has a miraculous turnaround and she gets to cross over into 100. You know, So I get on the phone with Lala, and I'm like, Lala, I'm so excited to pray for you. She goes, good, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that I get to go see Jesus now. That's what she said. And you know, for a moment, it, it took me back, and I'm like, man, I, I was ready to pray that you cross over into 100. You know, I was ready to pray that you're gonna come. And she's like, no, I wanna, I wanna go see Jesus. I wanna go see Jesus. You know, it's interesting she, she passed away on January 6th, and, and at the funeral, you got a combination of people who were crying, but it was also joyful, and it was this, this moment of celebration. I want you to know there's something different with people who live with this understanding of the great blessed hope. Like, we have this blessed hope that this life is not just all there is. Like, we actually get to be in eternity with the Lord, and so a lot of times what happens is, is we fix our understanding on things that are just temporary, and it causes us to approach life in a much different way. But when you fix thing, your mind on things that are, that are unseen, that are eternal, it changes the way that you look at things. In fact, studies show that 96% of people believe that there actually is an afterlife. But they believe this, I want you to understand, because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity on the hearts of every man. So the heart of every single person, there's this God-sized desire for eternity. Now, some of us fill it with more of God, but some of us will fill it with things of the world and get satisfied for a moment, but then it doesn't last long. You see, all of us have been given this longing for eternity. So it makes sense why 96% of people, no matter if they're atheistic or whatever, they, they believe there's some type of afterlife. But we believe that this is something that we get to do and celebrate together with Jesus. So here's what I want to give you today. There is a life beyond this life, and we get to invest more into it today. And I want us to see how we do that, because here's the first one right here. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Come on, how many believe this today? Heaven, not earth, is my home. Man, if that's all we get from today, we can walk out and be okay with that. Because we are just passing through, people. We're just here. It's just temporary. You know, if you're like, man, I I need a message of hope today. I I need a message of encouragement. This is our message of encouragement, that this life is temporary, and that one day we get to be reunited with the Lord in eternity. We're just passing through. You know, I think one of the healthiest things that I could give you, one of the most pastoral things that I can ever say to you, is that this life is tough. It's just a recognition, understanding that this life is tough. In fact, Jesus said it many times in the New Testament. He said, in this life, you're going to have trouble, right? That's what he said. He goes, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. There was this time in John 14, actually. He's talking with the disciples in John 14, first six verses there. And, and they come to him depressed, and they come to him troubled. And so he says to them, don't be depressed. Don't be discouraged. This is what he's saying to them. And you think what he's going to do now is like, come on over here. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and we're going to have a great miracle. And here's the change, the miraculous things that are going to transform in your life and your heart. And here's what he says to them in John 14. He goes, don't be depressed. Don't be troubled. He says, for in my father's house, there are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You see, Jesus wasn't just fixed on the earthly things when he was here on earth. He was actually fixed on the eternal things as well. In fact, I think it's best said this way. Every time we come to God with an earthly problem, he redirects it to an eternal solution. This is what he does. You know, Jesus was fixed on this earth. He was focused on this earth. Let me tell you, he had one eye on this earth and he had one eye on eternity the whole time. The simple fact, when when it's said about Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that. He endured the pain, the suffering, the anguish. He deserved, he 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 went through all of that. Why did he do that? Because you were that joy. You were that joy. That what Adam had broken, Jesus has the opportunity to restore. And now we get to be reconciled back to the Father in right-standing relationship, not because of anything we've ever done, but because of what he has done. And now he says, that is my joy. That's why I'm going to push through this pain and what I'm going through on earth, because I know it's temporary, and I know that something eternal is coming. This is what Jesus was fixed on. This is what he was focused on. And anytime we've come to him with an earthly problem, he just redirects it. To an eternal solution because the real solutions of your life are really not here i want you to hear that they're there you're just passing through you know we're going to always continue and believe that god will intervene and that and that there's going to be miraculous things that take place on this earth but the real solution to your life is an internal solution and a lot of us don't see it this way because our lives are at times blindingly too good you know, everything is great until something bad happens, or we're in a bad situation, and then that's when we get excited about heaven, right? You think about the writings of Paul like we're talking about. You know, people can say, like, man, Paul was a great man of faith, you know, and he was. Paul was, man, he, he loved the Lord, he was. But listen, half the time he was writing these scriptures, he was in prison, all right, he was getting beaten whipped. He was ready for heaven, okay? This is why he says it's better to be uh, absent in the body because I get to be present with the Lord, right? It's because he was facing some hardships in his life and he was reminding himself of a great reward that was on the other side. He was remind, reminding himself of the prize that he get to press on towards. In fact, he says this in Philippians. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says this, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Pretty much he's saying their desires, their wants, that has become their God, their pleasures. That's the thing that drives them. And I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with enjoying enjoying things. There's nothing wrong with having pleasures, but when they become your God, when they're the thing that motivate you, then it actually becomes a small g God instead of the God who's directing and living your life. And he says, and their glory is in their shame. That's why they're enemies of the cross. Their mind is on earthly things, he says. But our citizenship, come on, say this with me. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I'll tell you right now, I've been just processing this message all week long and it's been a great reminder to me of what it looks like to to redirect our focus because man, heaven, not earth, is my home. You know, the second thing here that I think is so important for us to grasp is it's because the line is actually longer than the dot. It just is. And again, it's a, it's a reality we have to wake up to. In fact, I have this image here that I think is so helpful for us. The, your life is this dot. This, this is your life. Like, take that in for a second. Think about this. Now, it's hard for us to ever think in the context of eternity because we're not in eternity. We're only focused on what's happening here in the temporary. But this is your life, and it's, and it's small, right, and it's finite. It's finite. But this line is long, it's continuous, it's infinite. And a lot of times we invest so much on the dot and we lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of what's to come. A motivation in scripture that we see time and time again is the prize that was awaiting these forerunners. It was the prize. You know, I think a lot of times we see actually in in Hebrews chapter 11, I love this, I call it like the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 has like this list of these amazing amazing people that did incredible things for God. But in this in this list, if you look at some of the names of people, you're like, really, did they? I mean, like some of them are great, but like some of them really screwed up and some of them didn't do the greatest job. And when I mean, you think about Moses is in this list, Hebrews 11, like, He was gonna take everybody to the promised land, but guess who didn't get to cross over to the promised land? Moses, because he got mad at a rock and he struck it really hard when he was supposed to tap it. And and you think about Samson and even his story and all the things and the ways that he was like really not following God's leading and God's calling, but God redeemed it and used it for amazing things. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, you see that there's parts that they got right on earth, but there's parts that they didn't. But let me tell you, they were commended for their faith. Why were they commended for their faith? Why were they? In fact, it says it here in Hebrews 11. I used a message translation because I think it's helpful. It says, people who live this way like those people make it plain that they are looking for their true home. They were after a far better country than that. It was a heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. All of them had another focus. It was another life. It was another home. And if we're honest with ourselves, many of us don't like the topic because We've convinced ourselves that earth is better than heaven. I think it has, you know, I really think that heaven has some, like, bad just rap on it, right? Like, we have these ideas of what heaven's going to be like. There's this idea out there they are going to be this fat cherub sitting on a white cloud, right? Playing a harp and singing in a choir, right? I mean, it doesn't sound like heaven. For some of us, it sounds like hell, right? I mean, it's like, (laughs) this is the images that the world has given us of what heaven's going to be like. But I want you to know, heaven is way better, Man, heaven is way better. What God has, what he's preparing in that place for us, it is way better. It's not like any of that. In fact, he's saying I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. That's what he's saying. And it's going to be a perfect earth, right? There's going to be perfect weather, perfect everything. It says that the lion and the lamb are actually going to lie down next to each other. That means that the, the lion who has this meat-eating instinct is going to be like snuggling up next to the lamb now, right? There's going to be no more traffic on 95 for all of our commuters. Come on. No traffic on Hull Street. The hot and now light at Krispy Kreme is always going to be on. There's going to be no calories, no carbs. That's all heaven, right? Heaven is going to be far better, but you know, heaven, we get to rejoice. We get to celebrate in all that God has done for us and what he's continuing to do for us. You know, I, I texted my mom and my um, uncles because yesterday was actually Lala's birthday. She was gonna be 97 years old. And so I texted them and I was like, man, thinking about you guys today and, and um, just love you. And they texted back real fast and they said, let me tell you, Lala's having the biggest celebration right now than ever before. And that's what heaven's like. It's a huge celebration it's a huge celebration that no matter if, you've, if, you, if you did it all right or not all right, the Lord says, man, fix your eyes on the prize. Finish the race strong because the dot is so small, people. It's so small. This earth is so temporary. Our life is so short. Run as if you're running this race to finish it not for what's happening now, but for what is to come. Here's another thing I want you to see here, and it's this, because there's limited time and there is incredible opportunity, that's why. We refocus our understanding, our passions, we refocus our thinking the way that we do things because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. And I love this because everyone on earth has limited time. And everyone on earth also has different types of opportunities. You and I and the person sitting next to you or in front of you, people watching online, people, people, no matter where you're at watching, you have incredible opportunity. And you have a different opportunity than I do. And you have a different opportunity than people in the room because God has strategically placed you where he's placed you so that you can impact and make a difference in the world and to the people that you do life with. But there's limited time. And, you know, I've actually realized that as I've gotten older or at least I feel like I'm starting to look a little older. And I was reminded of this when I was at one of our student events that we have actually coming up this Wednesday. Every second Wednesday of the month, we do a motion night. Big shout out to all of our motion people, our motion teams. This is our chapel student night. Where they come together. The other weeks they have small groups. It's an incredible group. Pastor KJ and his team lead it so well. And this Wednesday they have motion. But the last motion night, I got a chance to lead worship with the team. And some of the students lead worship. I'm telling you, we had a drummer plan, and he was phenomenal. And I think he's like 11 or 12 years old. I mean, it's incredible. Like, like just what God's doing in, in all lives of our young people. But I'm playing with this team, and and um, in the back of the back area here. Before we go on, I, I make a comment like, "Man, I remember when I was your age." You know, and. And then one of the kids was like, well, how old are you? And I decided to play that game that I will never play ever again. And it's the game of, well, how old do you think I am? And he stood there and he's looking at me and he's like, I don't know, I think you're like 47, 48. And I'm like, Mitchell, you think I'm 47 or 48? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm not. Now listen, no hating on any of the 47, 48 year olds, all right? But I am in my mid thirties, okay? So that was a hit to me. And so I, I'm realizing, you know, you get the back things going on I hear about in the mid-30s and all that, and I mean, I'm realizing that, you know, my, my time is limited, but you start to understand, man, well, it doesn't matter what your limited time is. We all have limited time. Think about the great opportunities that God is placing in front of you right now to impact the world around you, to make a difference. You know, think about it. You, you, um, this is what we're doing next, this is why we're Scott's Edition. Come on, just had they just added two services to their campus down at Scott's Edition. This is why every third Thursday we we go into the city of Richmond and we pray for and and, and feed people that are in the streets there. This is why our student ministry and our kids ministry is just blowing up right now. Did you know that like that um 94% of kids that made a Christian or people that make a, Christ, a decision to follow Jesus, it actually happens when they're younger. It's when It happens before they're 18 years old. You heard last week, we had a chance to celebrate that like 20% of our baptisms were all people under 18 years old. You know, I checked in with our kids director in one of our high Sundays this past month. Um, I said, Hey, how many kids came out on a Sunday? I'm just curious. And she said, In about four of our services all together, three in the morning, one in the evening, Um, we had about 500 kids come to church. I mean, how incredible is that? You know, what's happening in Chapel Kids is a big deal. What's happening in our student ministry, our young adult ministry, it is a big deal what God is doing. God has created some incredible opportunities for us. And, And I want you to know as a church, listen, we don't have any needs. We just have lots of vision here. That's what it is. We will always have more vision than we do resources, but it's because we have incredible opportunities. And, you know, for those of you newer, we're, we're talking about this next initiative right now, and I, and I want you to hear this from my heart, man. We are responding to a move of God. I want you to know that today. What's happening in this church is very unique, and we're responding to a move of God. We're not we're not responding because man, we want to we want to grow the church and add another addition. No, that's not why we're responding. We're responding because people are sitting in the lobby at most of our services, because. At one point, I thought we were gonna get shunned down on first Wednesday because we had way too many people inside the building, but part of this is is because God is entrusting people into this, from this community into our care as a church. That's what's happening, and because it's happening, there is great opportunity right in front of us and there's great opportunity to see people come to know Jesus, people to come to be set free. This is why we're so excited and we're so amped up about just the opportunity we have with the jail, Chester County Jail. Listen, you guys are watching online right now. Come on, can we give it up for them? We love you guys so much. So much. You know, this these, these things, we're not looking for these things. These things are happening because people have come into our church that have a passion you know, for the opportunities that God's laid in their heart, and then we get to partner with it as a church. I mean, it's incredible what God is doing, but even inside your life, begin to look for those things. Like, what are those opportunities that God has placed right in front of you? You'll see that in your workplaces. You see that in your home. In fact, it says this right here. I think it's important. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of every conversation, making the most of every single decision that you make, every opportunity because the days are evil or the days are numbered or the days are short. But we live in days with lots of opportunity, days where God has uniquely blessed us and I really believe to much is given, much is required. And I know that that's really huge, on the heart of this church and that's huge on all of us. We wanna be good stewards of what God has given us. And in fact, I really believe in the core of the Bible, we see the scripture that Jesus says in Matthew and he says this, he says, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. He says this, listen, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. He says, and thieves do not break in and steal for wherever your treasure is, There, the desires of your heart will also be. Man, that couldn't be more of a truer statement. And where our treasure is, there is where our heart is. Time and time again, we see Jesus, we see Paul, we see a lot of the writers of the New Testament saying, Listen, don't get so fixed on what's happening here. And today, before you leave, what I want to do is I want to give you just a few areas real quick. How do we apply this to our life? How do we live this out? How do we incorporate this into all that we do? And the first one is this here. Simply, we have to give ourselves fully to God. That is the first step. That's why as a church we say, man, we exist so people can know God. Because we know that if you know God, it's going to be much easier for you to find freedom and for you to make a difference. But the first step is knowing God. The first step is having a real relationship with him that's not based off of obligation or based off of rules, but to have a tangible, real relationship with the creator of the universe. Like, that's our first step. We get to know God. And when we know God, he doesn't want just a portion of us. He actually wants all of us. That's what he wants. He wants every single aspect of us. So when we give ourselves fully to God, it's not just a one-day thing. It's a continual effort. where we have to consciously say, God, I give myself fully to you, not just 85%. Not just ninety six or even ninety nine percent but I give you one hundred percent of myself. in fact, I love how John Bennell says it here. he says, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy and it's really true once you begin to give yourself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. you know in fact, every time before i before I come up and maybe lead worship or 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 Speak or just be involved in a setting like this. You know, somebody asked me, "Do you ever get nervous?" I'm like, "I get nervous every single time." Okay, so if you don't think I am, it's just part of it. All right, but every single time, what I do is this: is I pray to the Lord and I say, "Lord, I can't go up there without you. I literally can." So I pray these two prayers. I say, "God, God, I can't go up there without you." I said, "So you need to come up there with me." The second thing I say is, "Is Lord, if you want someone else to do this, then you can choose someone else to do this because because I don't need this. I just need you." you know what that does it's a reminder to me not to hold on to things and i love this place and i love this shirt i love what God's doing here but it's a reminder to me to say man i can't hold on to things because i need to hold on to you And let me tell you when you live life like the way when you open up your hands and you release what god has placed in your hands one you're able to freely give but two you're also able to receive from the lord as well so it's important for us to give ourselves fully to god and in fact 1 corinthians says this it says you are not your own You're not. I'm not my own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You're not your own. And so beginning to understand that God gives you the ability to give him something that is already his is very powerful for us. Because he's a gentle God. He's not a forceful God. He's not a God that's going to barge in and say, okay, I I need it back now. No, that's not what he does. He, he, He waits patiently for us to say, God, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. Here's the second thing we see here, and it's this. I think it's important for us to leave. Not only do we have to fully surrender ourselves to God, we have to act like a steward and not an owner. This can be a hard shift sometimes, because maybe we own a lot of things, or maybe we're great owners. But you know what? The truth is this, is that Jesus is the one, God is the one who owns it all, and we get to manage it. That's really what it's about in the Bible. You know that about 70% of the New Testament is about stewardship stewarding your gifts, your abilities, your resources. It talks so much about stewardship. And it's this understanding that I have to manage all of this on his behalf to manage my life, my time, my family, my house, my cars, my ideas. I'm supposed to manage it knowing that it all belongs to God and I'm not the owner. You know, he's the one that owns what? The cattle on a thousand hills, right? He's the one who provides everything I need according to his riches and glory. It's simply this. I ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do with what you've given me? with the gifts, with the abilities, with the passions? What would, you, what would you have me do? You know, this is why it's so important to pray God's agenda over your life every day. You know, this is where the, the, the prayer comes from, you know, um, the Lord's Prayer when it says, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's pretty much you saying, Lord, you come have your way. You tell me, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to lead? And I think it's so important for us to recognize that praying God's agenda over our life says to us, I'm ready to open my hands and release and not hold on to the things that maybe I'm holding on to, the temporary things of this world, and I'm ready to hold on to the one that is eternal and the one that lasts forever. This is a powerful shift in our mind, and I think it's important for us to see it. You know, I think this psalm is so key. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. I feel like we should like have this posted in our kitchen, right? We should have this posted in our car. This should be a reminder. To, it's, a, it's a humbling reminder that everything in this earth is the Lord's, and it's all his. So not only do we have to be a good steward of it. Here's the last one right here. We have to start to view everything through the lens of eternity. You know, this past week, I've been just, just mulling over just the message preparing for today, and and, and of course I know these truths, but I was reminded so quickly, man, how much I focus on the dot how much I'm just focused on the earthly things. And, and I realized man, I got to switch lenses, I got to start to see conversations with my wife, with my kids, with, with the, the people I work with, with the people I interact, with. my neighbors, I have this, this amazing new neighbors that just kind of moved in and, and we've connected recently. And I'm like, man, I got to see everything through the lens of eternity, so vital for us to do that, and when I see things this way, I want you to know it changes how we interact with the world around us. I need to live that every single day in my life. In fact, in Hebrews 11, it says this about Moses. It says that Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. This is Moses who was living in Egypt. He decided to trade all of that, and it says here, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value, greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He could have stayed and lived in Egypt, but he chose to look ahead. He chose to look at what was next, looking ahead to what was forward in front of him. You know, there's this game I love to play when I was a kid, but it was one of those games where like, it either went amazing or went horrific and it's Monopoly. Anybody can relate to Monopoly, come on. It's either amazing or it's the worst thing ever. You're either like excited or you're flipping over them. I don't know how it is in your house. Maybe in my house, you know, my brother's always playing with them. I didn't like the whole alignment thing, you know, training property, making up your own rules, putting money on free parking, whatever. Listen, there's rules for a reason, okay? Stick to the rules. I know I probably need some counseling over Monopoly. But you know, Monopoly, it has this really good principle in it, though. You know, you're building these homes, you're building these hotels, you're acquiring all these property. You know, everybody wanted the railroads, right? Or utilities. So smart. Get the railroads and the utilities. That's so smart. You know, everybody, so you're acquiring these properties, you're putting them, and you know, you're you're gathering the money. And but there is this amazing just value that you learned at the end of Monopoly, and that is this, is that in the end, it just all went back into the box. It just all went back into the box. All the things that we're built all the fights, all the arguments, all the tables that were thrown up, whatever it is. I mean, that, that's kind of a depiction of life, right? In life, we we have great seasons of victories, we have losses, we fight with each other, we build things, whatever. In the end, what happens is it just it just all goes back into the box. And I'll tell you, we need to ask ourselves the question: are we living for this home or are we living for that home? We have a chance to live in light of eternity, live with eternity on our hearts, and I want you to know this today, our greatest investment is what we invest into eternity. It's our greatest investment. Would you stand with me today? I'd love to close with us. I'd love to pray over you today. And I feel like church, there, there's like throughout the day, I've just been sensing the Lord saying like, man, it's, it's easy for us to have like a spirit of heaviness over us. What I mean by that is like to really be bogged down. And we're living in times right now where I think it, it becomes more prevalent than ever. There's fear, there's uncertainty, there's whatever it may be. But I really I want you to know today that I feel like the Lord's saying he wants to lift some heaviness from people in the room today. He wants to remind you of your blessed hope. He wants you to recognize and know that he has everything under control, that he's wrapped up in the details of your life right now. But man, this life is so temporary. The dot is so small. And eternity is going to be one of the most amazing parties, greatest celebrations, greatest reunions with loved ones that we've ever had. And right now we have an opportunity in this life to live, not for the dot, but to live for that line. Would you pray with me today? Would you lift your hands? We're gonna just ask the Lord just to come into every aspect of our life right now, to read to in our hearts what he's saying. God, we love you and we thank you so much, Father, that you had the joy that was set before you. Even though you endured pain, even though you endured suffering, even though you went to the cross, we were that joy. We were that joy, Father. And the joy was that one day we could be reconciled back to the Father. This is our blessed hope. Lord, this is where we fix our attention. This is where we fix our gaze. So God, we walk out of here today not focusing on just the temporary, not focusing on just the things that are seen, but turning our gaze to the things that are unseen and the things that are eternal, Father. And I pray for every person in this room right now, Lord, as they walk out of here, they would recognize and know, Father, that you have so many great things in store for their life. Right now here on this earth, you're bringing breakthrough, God. You're bringing healing. You're bringing restoration, Lord. You are, you are taking us from a place of anxiousness and bringing us to a place for peace, Father. You're doing things on this earth, Father, that are so miraculous, so amazing. But God, you also have something in store for us that's on the other side, Lord. And we live in the light of eternity today, Jesus. We love you. We ask this in your name, Father, and we worship together. Come on church, let's do this together. Let's worship him.